Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. And hello, Stevie. Hello. We are back from winter break. From what? Disco? Yes. Winter break. We're back. Yeah. And there's some sort of sports bowl thing. I don't know what the sports bowl thing is. I mean, it's happening today, so I don't know why they would have paused it anyway. Yeah. But we carry on. I don't know when it actually is supposed to happen anyway. So, yes. And welcome in listeners who you've also been on your own winter break, winter breaking. But season four of Star Trek Discovery is back. And I believe we have another five episodes or so. I think it's 13 in total. Yeah. Was it 14, maybe? Maybe it's 14. Well, this was episode eight. So either we have five more episodes or six more episodes. Who knows? Well, actually, hang on. So Picard kicks off. March 13th, was it? You want me to look in my calendar? You want to Google that? I don't have to Google it. It's in my Google calendar. I mean, I guess technically I'm Googling it. March 3rd. March 3rd. Okay, so you're probably right because they wouldn't do overlaps. You would think not. You would think not. But who knows? All of the the recaps for you, dear listener. We're going to keep recapping. I'll be alternately in different places in Brooklyn or... Around mm, the country. And I will be right here, ready and waiting. Ready and waiting. So why don't we listen? It's set phasers. Intro star date 148213.2. We're talking about season four of Star Trek Discovery, which has just resumed. Mm. We're starting with episode eight entitled All In. But before we jump into the episode, we should get a little preamble business out of the way. First and foremost, yes. you're listening to a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. And secondly, if you dare, if you have the gumption, mm. you can support this podcast by going to our patreon.com slash set phasers and signing up for one of our various tiers. You get some membership. I don't know what the word is. Benefits? Yes, benefits. You can be an ensign, a lieutenant or a commander. Or a commander. Yeah. And those benefits include things like watch parties with us. Mm-hmm. I think even we might do a monthly Zoom ahead of our Netflix watch parties soon. And of course, if you want to rate and subscribe the podcast, if you like it, that would be wonderful too. Wherever you get your podcasts, please go rate and subscribe and uh, become a patron and join us for all the Star Trek fun. We would love to have you on board. See what I did there? Yeah. Wow. Yes, I did. Great. Followed by the noise, in fact. The winky. It was in place of a, a wink. You know, yes, it was, it was the sound wink. effect for wink. I think yeah. we all got that you were <laughs> winking there. And, and I don't know. I mean, you know what? Jury's still out on that. But the jury is not out on whether or not the second part of season four starts with a bang. It sure does. So why don't we just run it down? It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? Can you run it down? 
an episode, Aki. Let's run it down. What an episode. Well, listen, quick recap. Basically, there's been this giant dark matter anomaly that's been eating its way through Federation space. It destroyed the planet Quajon, which led to Book being like the last Quajani uh, <laughs> sort of wandering around. He's very distraught. He seems to be working on things with Counselor Culber on Discovery and like working through his issues. But he's definitely still has been in this state of remorse slash hyper vengeful desire and in the meantime discovery and the federation are trying to figure out what's going on with this with this dark matter anomaly rushing around things are happening also the federation is trying to rebuild after so many years of not being the federation so this is a challenge that could tear things apart and as we got to the end of the first half of season two basically every federation member and every world sort of connected either in the Federation or thinking about it or just sort of recently having been reached out to for diplomatic ties, got together at Federation HQ. President Relic was like, we got to come to a decision what we're going to do with the DMA. Two major things rose out of the debate. It was either one, try to initiate first contact and see if these these were acts of, of deliberate harm and if this species is incredibly more advanced than we could ever hope to be, or B, just try to destroy the dark matter object obviously the the powers that be in the federation are more for the first contact option which you know then if things go south at the very least they stuck to their guns but uh book is seduced by brilliant scientist uh, ruan tarka who's the one that used to work for the chain now is working for the federation was brought in by admiral vance and he's helping to design the next generation spore drive based on discovery spore drive and he's been gunning for like let's blow this thing up using an isolytic explosion which is of course illegal but it's the only thing they have that could do this destruction it comes down to a vote michael is able to persuade more than half of the people to go along with the idea of first contact and so ruan tarka and book take matters into their own hands they steal the next generation spore drive they bring it to book ship and they jump away to try and enact ruan's plan and oh boy that is where we left off in months and months it seems like years ago mm. so we begin with book and tarka take off in the ship vance admiral vance is prowling through the command center he's yelling at everybody's like how could this have happened you know, Tarka sold the next generation spore drive, but don't you need dual factor authorization to get it? He did have dual factor authorization because he used his code and Vance's code. So this was stolen right out from under Vance's nose. President Rillick brings Vance and Michael into her office to chew them both out. I had some issues with this, but we can talk about that in the chat section. Anyway, she's worried that this this failure to control their own asset the spore drive, as well as one of their people, Ruan Tarka, is going to erode trust in the Federation. There's a whole lore dump that she gives that basically sums up what I just did. And they need to find these guys and bring them in so that they can do the first contact thing that they fought so hard to come up with. Michael suggests that in order to make an isolytic explosion, Tark is going to need isolinium in order to make his bomb, which is very tricky to get on the black market. There are apparently four vendors that the Federation knows about that are able to procure isolinium. Michael wants to be on the case, but Rillick says she's too close because of her whole thing with Book. So they send four other ships to check out these vendors and try to hunt down Book. And Relic tells Michael, Discovery's job is to gather data on species 10C. Meanwhile, Tarka and Book are on Book's ship, and they're talking about 
how it goes. Tark is making his usual sport, small talk, which is how sweet is the stuff that I made? Do you like it? Am I the best? Am I super, super smart? Book is feeling moody because, yes, he's betrayed everyone he knows, but he feels strongly that this is the only way to save more lives. And Tarka says he only needs 24 hours to make his isolytic bomb, but he'll need Book to get the isolinium for him. Mm. And Book says he knows a place that maybe the Federation won't know about where they can get some isolinium, but it'll cost. Michael, meanwhile, on Disco, sort of contemplating what's going on here. She gets a visit from Admiral Vance. He basically comes in and says, you know, I met Ruan Tarka 10 years ago. I was swept up in his brilliance and his optimism for the future. And I can't believe that someone I brought into the fold is endangering the Federation like this. He says, listen, I can't go against President Rillick in public. We have to seem to be on a united front. But he asks Michael to do anything that she can to stop Booker and Tarka within the parameters of her mission. A good thing Michael's super duper. Michael sits down and has a conversation. Well, they stand. Michael stands up and has a conversation with Paul Stamets and uh, Saru. And they discuss what they found at the coordinates that they finally got from Zora, the now sentient species, a computer, on, on, on at the coordinates for the species 10C. And... Not much. It's not a lot of information coming out of there. It's just like a big, big space in the middle of there. But there's some indication of massive gravitational presence. Zora does have some sphere data. The sphere data, I don't know if people want to go back that far, but hey, in season two, there was a sphere that Discovery ran into that was like 100,000 years old and had just been collecting data. And uh, she's got records of a civilization 30 light years from those coordinates. The Stilf, just inside the Galactic Barrier. They have no diplomatic relations with the Federation. However, they have dealt with the Orions. And so Michael's like, well, I got a, a broker friend on Parathia that could probably get us some star maps from the Stilf so that we can see what's going on in there. As she and Saru leave, Saru asks about the legality of Michael reaching out to this broker friend of hers. He knows it's probably from her courier days. And Michael tells Saru basically how Vance asked her to unofficially, well, ordered her unofficially, unofficially ordered, whatever that means, to try and take care of both things at the same time while staying within the rules of her mission. And Michael says she's going to take Oloshikan on the mission with her to get these survey, these star surveys. Meanwhile, Book and Tarka arrive at Book's connect that he has, Haas Mazara's Karma Barge. It's like a, a boat on a planet that that's a casino sure i'll take it and uh, and i love a little internal rhyme for no reason book says he left haas mazaro not on the best of terms but uh, he says listen haas is fun until he's not let me take the lead uh, as long as he doesn't remember what our issue was maybe this will be fine we just need to throw some money at him get this isolinium get out of here he walks up introduces himself as quote glowworm and Haas comes right out. He's in a great mood. He's chopping it up with Book. He's like, hey, where's Michael? What's going on with you guys? They ask Haas for some isolinium. Haas is like, listen, I have access, but it's going to cost you way more than the money that you put down. They put down even more money. Haas takes the money and then says, you know what? Actually, I haven't forgotten about that uh, debt you owe me for ruining my transworm courier business, which is how we met Book in the first place, the beginning of season three. And he says, so I'm just going to take you guys into custody. But then Book says, hey, I, I saw that out there. You're looking for crooks and cheats and people are cheating you on your in your casino, ca card counters and so forth. And Haas says, well, the detection tech is not working on them. Book says, hey, me and Tarka, we're pretty smart. We can maybe figure out a way to do it. And if we do find some cheats, then you give us the isolinium, you keep the latinum that you took, and we have a deal. And Haas says, sure, we have a deal. And he says, quote, Ooh, 
but jab a Brussels fly and I'll scoot some green bread. That has not been explained, and I don't know if I ever want it to be. <laughs> Meanwhile, Owo and Michael also are heading to the, turns out the courier, the, the broker she had on Parathia is the same place. I guess this is the planet of Parathia and it's Hazmazar's Karma Barge. So O is sort of wondering why Michael brought her. Uh, Michael says she sort of understands what O is going through, the desire to do something in the face of not being able to do much about this sort of huge issue. <clears throat> they get to the Karma bar Barge. Oh, God. Karma Barge? Karma Barge. Karma Barge. Karma Killer barge. Romulan warrior nuns. Karma I Barge. Karma Barge. Uh, Captain, permission to Karma Barge? <laughs> Michael introduces herself as, quote, right hook meets Haas. He's delighted to see her too. Asks for these extra galactic surveys from the Stilf. He says he can probably find it. Michael's money's not enough, but she offers him some sort of ring that he's like, hey, have whatever you want. And then Michael's like, well, then maybe you could throw some isolinium at us. <laughs> and Haas says, well, there's other bidders. That's interesting. He says, why don't you play for a while and try to, you know, get your money up, so to speak, while I go and get these surveys and we'll see what we do about this isolinium. Uh, Book and Tarka are looking for cheats, and Book spots uh, a sort of alien that's using its eyes rhythmically, perhaps to send a signal, perhaps as a tell, who knows. Tarka takes off after that dude. Michael finds Book and says they need to talk, tries to convince Book that they that doing this thing with Tarka is going to cause more problems than it is going to solve. But Book believes that he's he's on a righteous mission. Just like when he stole the trance worms, he's willing to do the wrong thing to do what he thinks is the right thing. And he's surprised that Michael is surprised that he's gone along with Tarka's plan. Mike says if Book buys this isolidium, he will be crossing a line. And she promises she will stop him from getting Haas is saying that the stellar surveys will take time to Michael and Michael's asking, what does she need to give Haas in order to have him take the isolinium out of play? He says, three times the latinum that you've given me. And Michael's like, great, I just need to contact the Federation. I can get that money here. He's like, no, I don't want Federation jumping down my throat. You got this casino here. Why don't you try to triple your money while I try to get these things? And Owo has an idea. <laughs> Meanwhile, a brief uh, little aside on Disco. Remember that Dr. Hugh Culber has been sort of under the gun, under the pressure, not only with dealing with Book and obviously the DMA, but also the whole situation with Zora uh, and, and how to deal with the ship's consciousness and has been feeling a lot of stress and was told by Dr. Kovich that he needed to take some time for himself. He needed to find something that was worthwhile to do that was beyond his work. Otherwise, he was going to burn out. And it looks like he's very close to burning out. He is uh, hand cleaning the quarters, his and Stamets' quarters, and yelling at the, the <laughs> drone that's trying to help and says he needs to do it by hand and Hugh uh, has to well Paul Stamets has to get Hugh to sit down and think for a bit and he's like listen I know we're all anxious it's not your fault what book did you know you can only help him find the way back to healing you can't fix what's wrong you can't fix his problems for him you need to take some time for yourself I heard about this great holodeck program it's some some sort of blooming alien flower why don't we take a walk uh, Culver's like, you know what, that would be nice. He and Stamets leave, and the little drone comes out from hiding and resumes cleaning the quarters as it is done. Uh, back on Har, Har, Har's, 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 Back on Har's, Tar's, Raj, Forbalar. Back on Har's, 
Kamahars has Mazaro's Karma Barge. Back on has Mazaro's Karma Barge. Meanwhile, back on has Karma. I'm done saying that, I think. Back on the casino, Owo has decided what her crazy idea is. She steps into the fighting ring and she's fighting some big bad dude named Atto Kurt. He's like twice her size. He's obviously the clear champion. Michael is being her like Barker slash hype you know, person. Hype person. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Mick in Rocky. Like not only the coach, mm-hmm. but also, I don't know, keep your feet down, keep your hands up, and you can watch out. But she's introduces Joan Owasekun as Joan Owasekun. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Two to one odds. And Owo uh, immediately gets uh, completely thrown to the floor by this huge giant of a person. She wants to take another shot. That's a 10 to 1 odds. While that's happening, Book is worried that Michael's going to find a way to buy this isolinium out from under him and Tarka. Tarka is not worried about Michael because things are going so bad in the ring. He's working the cheater's angle because he thinks that'll get them the isolinium they need as quickly as possible. They find that person that they the sort of had like a... Sort of like I would get insectoid eyes with a, a, a nictating, nictating membrane that was going back and forth. And they follow them for a bit. And this person turns into someone else after walking past a column. And they realize it's a changeling. Ha ha ha. That's how it's it's like, you know, working all the angles. It's being different people. So Tarka tells tells Book to watch the changeling while he works a different angle to try and keep this changeling in, in check. Owo's been losing a ton. She's like cut up. She's beat up. Down with me. <sighs> Breathing heavy. Blood. And, and Michael's like, we got to get out of here. You can't do it. You can't go on. Oh, wow. And she says, give me one more chance. You're not going to take me out of the ring. And Michael says, fine, one last time. But that's it. And we're going all in. And puts all the money down on Owo. And then Owo steps back up to Atto Kurt. And we realize, ah, ha, 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 they got hustled because oh, I was like, look, I got to beat you the whole time and proceeds to trounce this dude, completely beat the ever, ever loving crap out of him. And so they win. And I think the odds at that point, I wrote it down, were 45 to one. So they clearly made a ton of money, which should allow them to be able to buy the isolidium. As they're going to collect their money, they are accosted by Atto Kurt and his slimy his slimy corner guy and a little bit of a fight almost breaks out but book steps up when the guy produces a knife and punches the guy and then michael punches him again and knocks him out books like hey i was happy to help they have like a little friendly <laughs> moment and the book's like hey i could use your help because they find the changeling and the chain start running and then michael helps him knock down the changeling so they both helped each other but they both sabotaged each other because they both did what they needed to do for haz mazaro and so the next scene is them arguing in the ship with Hasmazaro being like, you know, we did the thing. You should go with us. You should go with the thing. You with the thing. Haz says, hey, listen, y'all both did what you did, but there's other bidders now. I got two other bidders and two other people come in. He's like, so what we're going to do is play play for this isolinium. We're going to play a couple hands, a Leonin, Leonian poker. It's just poker, it looks like. And uh, the cards look like normal cards <laughs> I couldn't tell if there was anything special about Leone and Perker they had straights and flushes I don't know anyway the winner will get the Isolinium and Haas will take all of their Latinum no matter what 
And Michael proposes, okay, if we're going to do this, but at such high stakes, shouldn't we get to examine the quality of the goods? To which Haas agrees. The two other strangers go in to check it out first. Michael approaches Book and says, you know who those two are? They're Emerald Chain dropout lackeys. We can't let them get the Isolinium. They're going to try to be the next Osira. And so we should do that thing that we did on that planet that one time, you know, us and our shenanigans, because we can make the odds work in our favor. And Book is better at the card game than her, but she says he's not a sure bet. They got to work together to make sure the Emerald Chain doesn't get the Isolinium no matter what. Then they can return back to their fighting. So they do that. Michael goes to take a look at the Isolinium, claps eyes on it, tells Haz it's completely legit. They go to play some Leonian poker. Michael is acting sort of like a more garrulous and sort of uh, roguish than usual. Book is being very tight-lipped, but they're obviously sending signs and signals back to each other. They manage to knock out the other two players until it's just them. While that is happening, Owo and Tarka have a bit of a conversation, and Owo sort of figures out Tarka's angle, that there's some sort of revenge or vengeance or grief, a sort of catharsis plot going on here, and that's why he's so attached uh, to this plan. So both he and Book are both going through some really heavy stuff, and using billions and billions of lives to to solve their problems michael versus book book wins he apologizes he takes the isolinium he and tarky get on their ship and they fly right on out of there michael returns back to starfleet headquarters she gets reamed out by president relic again but mentions to say like hey listen i went there to get these star charts for that uh, place where species 10c is and I hoped to see Book there, but I wasn't sure about it. And I did, and I did my best, but I, you know, had no jurisdiction there. And the president realized, like, yeah, you literally bet it all, and you came back with nothing. And Michael goes, oh, but did I? Because when I looked at that Isolinium, guess what? I put a tracker on it, just like the dilithium trackers we used in the beginning of Season 4 when we were having dilithium problems. It all comes to guess so they know exactly where the isolinium is they know where book is and van says we have one chance to try and surprise them to stop them from doing this so that's what they're going to do next they're interrupted by a message from saru who says stamets has something very important to show the admiral they have found these star charts and the data they put it together and what they have discovered is a huge blob in space a huge artificial blob that is 22 228 million kilometers in radius big enough to basically hold the sun and a couple of planets and it's some sort of Faraday cage, which is a, a like a, a thing that I think it holds energy in. It's like nothing can escape a Faraday cage. So there's no way to detect what's inside of the big blob. But it, it indicates that there must be a massive amount of energy to do this. And also that Species 10C is wildly more advanced than the Federation, even more than we had previously imagined. However... This does allow them to, Michael, to come up with the supposition that, okay, it takes a lot of energy to maintain this huge blob. Why don't we search the DMA locations for any signs of boronite? What's boronite, the president asks? Well, it's just a very rarely occurring substance in the universe that, while it is hard to find when you do find it, you can use it to make some of the most powerful stuff in the galaxy. And guess what? Zora confirms that at all the locations the DMA was at, there are zero signs of boronite, meaning species 10C this whole time was mining for boronite inside the galaxy. And that's what they're doing. This confirms that Booker and Tarka must be top stopped because if that's how they mine, you know, like if that's how they sift for gold, our version of putting a pan with a screen in a river and shaking it out, if that's how they do that, a huge, you know, mi miles and miles long dark matter anomaly, then their weapons must be completely out of control. And so they're going to have to stop Booker and Tarka because there's no way their little isolytic explosion is going to do much to Species 10C. And that is the end of Episode 8 
season four, Star Trek Discovery, all in. Now, why don't we chat about that? I say, darling. Let's do a quick chat about that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Let's go. Indeed. Indubitably, Karma Barge. Oh, loved it. Loved it. It felt there was a little bit of Star Warsy type feel to it. Totes, my goats. Um, yes. But it was really fun, and I think it, it had a slightly lighter feel to it than the Star Wars mm-hmm. scenes. But I really enjoyed it. Yes. When I watched it a second time, and you saw all the different characters and aliens and stuff, it was quite fun. Yeah, delightful. I loved just getting out of Federation space and boldly going where no one has gone before mm. to Hazmazaro's Palladra Bar. And didn't you love the entrance? Oh, yeah, yeah. With you the, have to go into the mouth of the dragon type thing. Dragon thing. Oh, and then, you know, suddenly so cool. you're at this floating casino. Mm. But yes, it was super cool. I also loved that even though Haz is kind of a roguish kind of baddie, you know, who's like running this possibly illegal maybe just sort of like legally gray area and he's got issues with book and michael that he truly and to use the parlance that the kids use these days ships mm. book and michael in like a very grandparenty sort of way mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so, i hope you guys sort it out are you sure you don't <laughs> want to sort this out i really love seeing you guys together well, where's michael by the way oh how's she doing what's going on with you two mm-hmm. he's very yenta ish i can describe <laughs> it about these two former couriers so anyway i thought that was a very mm-hmm. cute side of his character that he's wheeling and dealing and also trying to facilitate a love connection yeah <laughs> he was cute i liked him yeah obviously species 10c i'm very excited to see what who they are are they still alive i mean the level of technology we're talking about is insane mm-hmm. and obviously i feel like we're going to end up with a a climactic final reveal of who species 10c is well it can't be anyone we know or unless it's q no i think you and i both know that i think mm. that it's what's his tush from season one What's his tush from season one? What's his tush from season uh, one? I can't remember his character name now. Jason Isaacs. Jason you Isaacs. Think it's yeah, Jason Isaacs. His yeah, I want it to be Jason Isaacs every time. Lorca. Lorca. Yes, Lorca. I want it to be Lorca every time. It's definitely not, but, you know, fingers crossed. You just love Lorca. <laughs> I really did. He was the perfect baddie. There are reams of women within the Star Trek disco community groups that are desperate for Lorca to return. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. How, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. They are my people. I need to join these groups. And, and I know. I've been away. inviting you to these groups. A little There's fan just... fiction. Well, you didn't tell me that romance was in the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, for you and Lorca. <laughs> Lorca and some money. Just a steamy, mm. you know, tall, dark, and handsome, brooding, alternate reality baddie. He wanted something, you know, he wanted power. You can't deny that he had swag. Listen, I'll take Lorca over Ruan Tarka's smarmy. Yeah. I'm the best. I'm so smart. I'm, I'm so smart. tortured. Oh, he's the guy that you just wanted to shove in a locker at high school, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, I shoved. I mean, I was that guy. But <laughs> <laughs> like, so who did I, I shove in a locker in yeah. high school? Do you get swirly? Uh, Is that a thing? Swirlies were a thing. It's not a thing that happened in my high school. I assume that's more of a smaller school kind of thing. My school was eight stories, had 5,000 kids. There was never a free toilet to swirly someone in. Understood. <laughs> yeah, thank <laughs> you for the logistics of Just swirlyism. You know. We had to be mortified in other ways by our bullies. Anyway, 
<laughs> yes. To okay. Cats. So I don't know who's who is species ten C truly. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Any guesses? No. Is it someone um, we know, or is it something totally new? I'm wondering whether it's some new iteration of the Borg, or whether it's mm. the Q. And that's just me thinking inside the box of the species we already know and hate. We do know that Discovery has a tendency to mine old mm. Star Trek to find these gems and sort yeah. of flesh them out. I just can't think of what it would be. I mean, if it did, though, it would likely mine. TOS and not anything next gen. That's my theory. It's true, although they gave Grey their body from Picard at the very least. Mm, that's true. So it's like, I think they really try to find something obscure. Like, who yeah. knew about Captain Pike <laughs> the the pilot episode of Star Trek before Discovery season yeah. two? Like, no one no one knew who Captain Pike, uh, Pike was. Well, I don't know, because they've written they wrote him into the movies. They did, but he he did, he was like Kirk's mentor. He was nobody. I mean, yeah. that was like a big deal in the movies was like, oh, no, they have Pike in it. That's sweet man Pike. Because if you see the first Star Trek, actually Shatner's not there because it's Captain Pike. But then he got recast. So the second episode of the first like season bros. is Kirk. That's how, that's how we talked in high school. That's why we got chosen in the Those lockers. are the cool. Yeah, but those were the cool guys that talked in high school, wasn't it? They talk like this? Yeah, like totally, man. Those are like the well, super guys that never uh, watch Star Trek. It's a fine line between, yeah, dude, totally. See how chill and relaxed <laughs> this is? It's like, I'm super cool, bro. Come by the house. We're having a party tonight. And yeah, I got a keg. Actually, Bring if a keg you watch the first episode oh of, of Star Trek, the original series, which came out in 1962, it's a fine line. Okay, that's fair. Now you're starting you know, we to sound like... We were shooting for cool. Yeah, you're starting to sound like the guy in The Simpsons in the comic book store. I mean, listen, in point of fact, I don't need to put on a nerd voice. We all know... <laughs> That unless I attempt to speak in my dulcitor tones, I basically talk like this. This is how my actual voice is. So (laughs) I could just speak like myself. But I'm putting on a little extra extra sauce. And then, okay, so I have one final bone to pick. I I have been, to my friends, sort of defending President Relic for the last seven episodes. Because I was like, yeah, she came in hot Mm. the first episode. But I think she she's come to depend on Michael and like give her a lot of leeway, even if it's sort of covert, to do things. But I, I fully did not understand how, what the benefit of blaming Michael for Book doing something bad just because they're like partners is at the beginning of the episode. It's, it seems so very unfederation. And then being like, I brought you in here (laughs) to yell at you because you didn't know that your partner was going to do something bad. Like, you're supposed to know exactly what they're going to do. Like, that we knew Book was going to join up with Tarka and and steal a spore drive. Because the real fault, you know, and I like Vance, is that Vance got let Tarka steal the spore drive. Book wouldn't have been able to do anything without the spore drive. Anyway, it just kind of was like, why are you chewing out Michael? And then telling her... You can't be on the case looking for books. So it's like you should have known what your <laughs> what your like romantic partner is gonna do. And because you didn't see this, you put us in this terrible position where the Federation could completely lose the confidence of its member states, and you're not allowed to be in this mission, you're too close to it. I just I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was back to beating up Michael for, you know, being Michael. Yeah, okay. That was my feeling. The only other thought I wanted to express was the fight scene with oh yeah oh, well, of course like loved it i don't know why i wasn't expecting that from 
I wish I can, but it was brilliant. So I got fooled the other way. Mm. I thought, oh, I was going to go in there, beat that guy up, and take out all the other comers, and that's how they were going to make oh, okay, money. Yeah, yeah. Because I just feel like, have we seen Owo fight before? I don't think so. I was, I, I couldn't hmm. remember where Owo as a fighter came from. I don't know, but I was like, I for some reason was like, yeah, Owo's going to mess this dude up. I, and I didn't suspect that, like, you know, they'd run this hustle on them where Owo got beaten up until the odds were good enough for them to make one big payday and this completely... I don't think she hustled them, though. I think she was genuinely getting her ass kicked. I don't think that's her. true. Really? No. No, no, that was a hustle. How do you go from getting your ass kicked to then kneeling down in front of somebody and just, not you know, letting them touch you? She just needed she needed to, to be down to get back up again, you know? I don't think that's the case. I think they knew they needed to make a certain amount of... of I think she and Michael were pretending that they were stressed out, so the odds would keep going up oh, so they well, could I make bought it. one big payday. I bought, hook, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I guess it's never explicitly said, except that they go, you hustled. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, did you know... Anyway. I mean, I think I'd even forgotten her first name was Joanne. I definitely had forgotten her first... I go intermittently, because I write down the mm. names every time I have someone in the episode, and I forget the last time I had to write down Joanne Oleshikin's first name. I just, yeah, same. She's just O-O to me. So, you know, it happens. I couldn't tell you Detmer's first name right now, but if we do an episode about Detmer, it'll definitely come back to me. Can you? Can you follow it? No. Yeah, Detmer. Detmer. Do you want to Google it? Damn. Yeah. You can Google that. Kayla. Kayla. Kayla Detmer. Kayla Detmer. Totes. Totes, my goats. Totes, my goats. Lieutenant Kayla Detmer. All right. Shall we move on? All right. On? Yeah, let's move on to quotable moments. Quotable moments. I only have a few this time. There's a lot of sweet action, but. Yeah, I didn't have a lot. I just really enjoyed Michael being the hype person. That was very that funny. That was just fun. But it wasn't super quotable. Just Joanne, oh yeah. wow, wash your coon and like the place yeah. your bets and what was the what was it was something that rhymed about or miss your bets or something like that. It was yeah, whatever yeah. it was. It was or so your, cheesy. Your regrets, yeah, or something, something like, that. like that. That was very funny. Bet it me. or regret I, it. Bet it or it? regret it. Mm, it could be. Oh, I didn't write that one down. I did love Haas had a few stunners for me. Obviously the the weird threat <laughs> that he was gonna scoot some green bread i don't even know what that means but i guess it was supposed to be threatening i loved when he saw uh michael for the first time he said i miss you like a Cardassian misses cake <laughs> that's very cute and oh yeah haas says but why would you want pictures of stars and michael says stars are pretty i thought that was yeah. like, banter she was like back into her courier mode of talking slick i liked tarka had one line that i really enjoyed he says pardon me if i mispronounce this but you were right i thought that was a oh yes stunningly you know uh well executed something tarka would say mm -hmm. i never say you were right but so pardon me <laughs> yeah pardon me if uh, that. should say that's that my it. life yeah all right well i might uh, i might put a big banner up in my room that uh, says my raft my rules another haas <laughs> quote but i don't know who that would be for <laughs> just me <laughs> yeah that's right my raft my rules yeah I guess the, those of you do not have any of the quotes, we should just go on to next time. Next time on Set Phasers. 
Oh, yeah, next time. On Set Phasers, we'll be talking about episode nine of season four of Star Trek Discovery as we come to our uh, our uh, explosive conclusion, I presume, of this episode somewhere out beyond the galactic rim. So please do join us. And thank you for joining us today. If you enjoy the program, you can go back and catch and find old episodes of our podcast, or you can get it every Monday wherever you get podcasts from. And if you enjoy it enough to like rate it on, like say, like I don't know, Apple Podcasts or something, that would be wonderful indeed please also consider joining us to be a patron of us we'll uh, start that again please consider joining uh, us as a patron of our community we would love to have you we've got a number of patrons who just love star trek love to chat about it with us and watch it in a netflix watch party and just hang out with us in general so we would love to see you go to patreon.com forward slash set phasers to join up Yes, indeed. And sign up, sign up, join up, stand up for your rights. And we're on (laughs) Facebook and Instagram. You can find us Set Phasers on Instagram and I believe Set Phasers podcast on Facebook. Is that correct? Feel free to follow us. Join in the conversation of all things Trek and uh, Meme Game Strong. Stevie's out there making dope shit. Hashtag Meme Game Strong. Well, until next time, I am Stevie Manns. And I am sailing away on Haz Mazzaro's Karma Barge. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer and program. Huh?